It's Monday, February 18th, 2019. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, this is our weekly Monday Bible study and call to prayer. Today, we are continuing our study on the book of Acts, and we are joined by Dr. Rick, our Vice President of Engagement. Dr. Rick will walk us through Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 35. All right, welcome again to the Defender Podcast. I'm Rick Morton. We're going to be in Acts chapter 10 today. So if you have a Bible, love for you to turn there with us. Um, Acts chapter 10 opens with the story of uh, Peter and Cornelius, and uh, and this is really kind of a turning point in uh, in the story of of the unfolding of the building of the church, um, where the gospel is is first uh, beginning to to go out among the Gentiles. Um, so today, um, just several things that that I think we would do well to to remember about this passage. It says. First of all, beginning in chapter 10, uh, verse 1, it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. Uh, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming to him to say, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and, and alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa to bring one Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. When when an angel who spoke with him, when the angel who had spoke with him departed, he called his two servants and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything, he sent them to Joppa. First thing I think we can can see today out of um, out of this passage is that um, we we know that salvation is a work of the Lord, but that the that that the the work of the Holy Spirit goes before us as as we seek to make the gospel known and as we seek to um, help people to um, to to know Jesus and to follow Jesus. Um, God is at work in the details of our lives, and He's at work in the details of the lives of the people that we minister to. Um, and 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 that God had been, we, we see in the, as evidence in this passage that God had been at work at the heart of Cornelius for a long time. Cornelius is is described to us here as being a God fearer. That that meant that he was um, he was someone who was who was around and and was seeking to know and was seeking to know about the God of Israel, um, even though he himself had not become a Jew. And and so that put him in a in a in a position of somewhat, I, I guess, kind of cultural friendship um, with, with the Jews in the culture, um, but did not make him part of the community. And so he was kind of this guy who was sort of one foot in and one foot out in, in, his, um, in his, his coming to the temple and his worship of the Lord, but also in his inclusion into the community um, of the Jews, and so as a as a as a Gentile who was a God fearer, that meant that Cornelius would go to the temple and he would sit in the court of the Gentiles, and he would kind of sit on the back row and listen. And that meant he gave he gave money and he took care of the poor and he and he prayed and he and he did things that 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 one who was following the Lord would do. But he was he was also not a part of not a part of God's people, and so. Um, 
so in this, we, we see that Cornelius gets a vision, but then in, in, the, in the next paragraph of chapter 10, that, that Peter gets a vision. Peter, who's, who's living in the house of, of Simon the Tanner, um, and, and we know that, that God had been at work in the life of Peter to prepare him to, to take the gospel to someone who was outside of, um, outside of Israel, outside of the, the chosen people of God, that, that God had been softening um, Peter's heart for a while. We, we see in Acts chapter 8, we, you know, we saw just a few weeks ago that Peter and John were the two apostles who were chosen to go to Samaria to... Um, to really check out the authenticity of of Samaritans who who were professing Jesus and who were coming to follow Jesus, but but again, that's not like it's taken it so far out of the family. Samaritans were were certainly considered um, you know ethnically impure, and they weren't considered purely a part of Israel, but they were also sort of first cousins to um, to the the chosen people of God because they had they had Israel somewhat in their lineage, and and so it was not as it was not as scandalous for the gospel to to be going out among the Samaritans as it was for um, for now the, Peter to be sent to someone who had no tie to Israel whatsoever. But but then Peter also we see you know was living with Simon the Tanner and we talked in our our Bible study last week about the fact that this would have meant he was living at the at the margins of town with a guy who was probably not very well accepted and though he was a Jew he was a Jew who was in a business that kept him ceremonially unclean all the time because he was he was dealing with skins and dead animals and you know and and the like and so Simon as the um, as as the tanner um, again was helping to break down um, some of the prejudices that Peter had about those things that could separate us from God. He was he was living with a, a faithful, devout believer who was who was following Jesus, but also who was in a business that made him ceremonially unclean. Yet the the Lord had had given him that had given Peter um, this this place to stay. In other words, kind of putting his his stamp of approval on that. And so so then Peter has this vision beginning in, in verse nine and it says that he was he was up on the up on the roof of the house of, of Simon's house and it was before lunch and he was praying and then he fell into a trance and and that the angel of the Lord spoke to him. And it said a voice from from heaven spoke to him and says and and that this this there had been a, a sheet that had appeared to him that descended out of heaven, and it was full of all kinds of unclean animals. Um, so it was full of reptiles and birds and and pigs and and other animals that were considered unclean, um, and that Israel was forbidden to to eat as part of their covenant with God. And and this um, this sheet descended, and then the voice from heaven says, um, "Rise, Peter, kill and eat." Now. I don't know how you would react to a situation like that, but I think I probably wouldn't have reacted a whole lot differently than Peter did. That um, that Peter kind of looked at this like it was a test, and like the Lord was testing his faithfulness and testing his obedience. He didn't see what God was doing in trying to enlarge his worldview about who could be the people of God, and so he um, so he said no. <laughs> He basically said, by no means, Lord, for I've never eaten anything that's common or unclean. And then it says, the voice from heaven said back to him, what God has made clean, do not call common. 
it's kind of comical. It, it, the, the scriptures tell us that this happened three times, that twice more, that, that the, um, the voice of the Lord said, um, rise and kill and eat, and, and twice more Peter said, no, I'm not going to because I've never eaten anything unclean, and, and, and so, so therefore I'm not, going to, I'm not going to disobey God. So in the, so in the midst of um, this conflict, apparently Peter got the idea, or at least was left with the idea, that God wasn't really trying to test his obedience, that, that God was trying to tell him something because, lo and behold, as soon as the, the vision ended, a knock came on the door, and it was Cornelius's men who had journeyed like three days from Joppa um, to or, or to Joppa from from Caesarea, and and they were there, and they said um, that this man, our boss, had a vision, and he's a devout man, and he's a God fearer, and he gives alms, and he does all these things, and now he had a vision, and you're supposed to come to him. And we know that Peter was really getting the idea that 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 God had God had a different plan that that maybe his preconceived notions about about the gospel were not were not completely accurate because because it says in uh, in verse twenty three that Peter invited these guys in and so he invited three Gentiles in to live and stay with them overnight at uh, at the house of Simon the Tanner. That, that would have been scandalous for a Jew to do. Um, they, they would have probably been pretty indifferent to the needs of, of a Gentile and would have thought, well, you can sleep in the street or you can go find a hotel room or you can go take care of yourself, but they wouldn't have felt compelled to, to extend hospitality. But yet Peter did, which really kind of signals to us that, that the message was sinking in and that, that, that Peter really did, although he didn't understand it fully, and we know from the rest of the the, the narrative in Acts that he didn't he didn't completely get this idea that the gospel is for all and he didn't completely get this idea that that the gospel isn't predicated on our work of becoming a Jew before then becoming a Christ follower but so he invites them in and and then um, they they then go to Cornelius's house and Cornelius then tells the story so three days journey back and then Cornelius when they get there Cornelius has this house full of people gathered friends and uh, people that are part of his house and people that work for him and and his family and he's got all these people gathered because he wants them to hear because here's Cornelius who has who has faithfully tried to worship God, who's tried to do all the right things to worship God, but now God has responded to him. And so Cornelius, when Peter walks in the door, Cornelius even um, you know, goes to the extent of falling down and worshiping him. He didn't understand that, that Peter was, was just a man, but he was incredibly excited about whatever it was that, that God was doing. And so Peter says, no, get up, don't worship me. And, and by the way, um, here's here's what I've you know here's here's what I came to tell you and and he essentially um, you know begins to present the gospel we we're going to end in verse 35 today but but what Peter says first is really a message for Peter um, as much as it's a message for Cornelius because once once um, Cornelius shares that God had appeared and had told him to to get Peter to come it says, so Peter opened his mouth in verse 34 and, and said, Truly I understand that God shows no partiality. 
What an, incre- an incredible, amazing statement for Peter to make, that, that Peter, who had grown up all his life believing that God did show partiality, that believing that there was something superior about being a Jew, that, that Peter was now coming under the conviction and the realization that even though it was going to be hard for him to apply it, that, that, there, is, that there is nothing that provides standing before God except the gospel that there's nothing but the, but the finished, complete work of Jesus that, that ultimately um, is, is of any worth in, 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 in sorting out our, our standing before God. He says, But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. So, Peter, I, I really think that this is kind of the culmination of what we saw as, as kind of a, a prophecy or foretelling of, of Jesus back in Matthew chapter 18. Remember, I mean, Matthew chapter 16. Remember in, in Matthew chapter 16, that's where Peter made the confession that you are the Christ, you are the Son of God. And Jesus says, you know, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And, and, and then he says, and, and upon this rock, upon this truth that you've just said, I'm going to build my church. But then he tells Peter that he's going to give Peter the keys to the kingdom. Well, I, I think Peter took those keys to the kingdom and he unlocked two doors with them. One of them in Acts chapter 2 when, when he preached at Pentecost and when, when the, the pure undiluted gospel went out among the Jews and, and people were saved, people from all over the world, but people that were ethnically still a part of the, 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 the Hebrew nation. Now, um, Peter has used those same keys to unlock another door, and that's for the gospel to go unfettered to the Gentiles. And, and so, um, and that's great news for us, because right, most of us are Gentiles. Most of us are not ceremonially made clean. And, and this is Peter stepping over another line and saying that the gospel isn't dependent upon our human effort, that the gospel is only dependent upon the work of Jesus. And so Peter, by saying that someone could be of any nation, is really laying the groundwork for the understanding that you don't have to do anything, you don't have to be anything, you don't have to clean yourself up enough, but that anybody can come to Christ um, through the gospel. And so I hope this week that it, it encourages you, but, but it also challenges you that, um, that, that we need to be men and women who are, who are quick to present the gospel, but we're quick to present the undiluted gospel. Um, that, that people aren't required to become like us. They're not required to, to change themselves socially in order to, in order to follow Jesus. They're not required to, to clean up their sin before they come to Jesus for, um, for forgiveness and, 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 and before they repent. And that it's the work of the Holy Spirit that ultimately brings us to Christ and ultimately um, settles us into the family of God. And so... Um, so we continue from here to see the way that the, the church will grow and the way that the gospel will continue to take shape in the hearts of the people as they understand that it's, that it's not about who they are, it's not about where they are, but it's ultimately about Jesus and about his work um, that, that makes them right before God. So I hope you've enjoyed today. Um, we are privileged, um, again, to have you with us and thankful that you've taken time for, for Bible study with us. And, uh, and we look forward to delving into the rest of um, chapter 10 on next week. And so um, thank you very much.
Well, thanks, Dr. Rick. And this week, we are praying for the country of Costa Rica. We are praying for Pani, the central authority in Costa Rica, that the Lord would reach their hearts and help them to better know him personally, and that the Lord would provide them wisdom, encouragement, and resources as they evaluate children and families and work hard to advocate for better processes. We pray for our contacts within Pani, Jorge, the adoption director, Sonia, Elizabeth, and Sylvia, the lead psychologist and social workers, the Council of Adoptions, who is the board of directors who have the final say in dossier approvals and matching after Pawnee makes the recommendations, the unit protection, uh, which oversees the licenses for unadoption and uh, mission trips and trainings. We pray as well for local churches and missionaries and organizations and their efforts to share Christ in their communities and care for the children and families of Costa Rica. Specifically, we are praying for our partners, Ray and Lydia Zirkel. Uh, they run the Methodist Children's Home and are partnering with us for adoption and unadopted. For Steve and Georgiana Thomas, who run the Abraham Project and partner with us through adoption. For Marjorie and Tyler, Costa Rican believers, uh, a husband and wife team who are, are now missionaries there and run a home and are partnering us for adoption and unadoption. We pray for Casa Viva. It's a Christian nonprofit that's running the entire foster care system for the country, uh, and they are only licensing local believers uh, to be foster families. We're praying for wisdom and opportunities for unadopted as we plan for future caregiver and foster care trainings, as well as mission trips. We pray for the children of Costa Rica, for their hearts, that they may learn of their Heavenly Father and that He will comfort them in their distress. We, we pray for advocates to arise to love, care for, and help the orphans and vulnerable children. Many children in Costa Rica spend years in care without receiving abandonment decrees due to a failed system. And so we pray that the Lord will raise up the right people to fight for them and help them be reunited with their families or to, to be available for adoption. We pray specifically for the 200 waiting children that we uh, specifically interacted with on a recent trip. These children are, are waiting forever families. Let's pray for the Lord that he will uh, use their lives and use these, this trip as an advocacy for them. We pray for the families who are already home with their children from Costa Rica as they adjust and they care for it and they support and seek resources for their children. We pray for wisdom and, and rest and perspective for these parents. We, we pray for the children's hearts who have come home through adoption as they process their hurts and that they would find comfort and healing through Christ. And we pray for families in process who are, are waiting and working hard to be matched with their children. We pray for peace and endurance that they would use time wisely to prepare their families for what's to come. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to work in the country of Costa Rica. We pray specifically for Pani, that you would be with Jorge, the director, and the staff there, that you give them wisdom, that you give them guidance, that you give them understanding, that they would, that you would use our team even to press upon them the hope of the gospel. We pray for all of our partners, the Zirkles, the Thomases, the Marjorie and Tyler, and Casa Viva, that you would supply every need that they have, that you would use them in the lives of these children to make the gospel known and bring the gospel to to bear. We pray specifically for these 200 children that we were able to interact with, that you would help us be able to find forever families for them, that you would be able to help us to find missional Christian families who would wrap around them. And Lord, that we would just uh, continue to be mindful to pray for these 200 children, that they would find hope and healing in Christ even through their wait. And Lord, we pray for the families who have gone before and brought children home from Costa Rica, that you would go before them, that you would love them, that you would care for them, and that you give them the resources they need to be godly parents to these children. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and that your name is being made known in Costa Rica. And it's in that name, the name of Jesus, that we pray. Amen.
Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.